today um, we're going to start a, a new sermon series today called Resurrection Response, and it's about a challenge as we go through uh, the cross event and leading up to Easter for us to make a decision about do we really believe and what do we believe uh, about Jesus. We're going to go from today talking about the crucifixion several weeks, and then we'll come to Easter Sunday and and celebrate the great resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, and all with that challenge for us about, you know, what do you believe? And if you do believe, what does it mean for you? So my hope for these messages over the next six weeks is that uh, we will be challenged to consider uh, the implications of the resurrection of Jesus uh, and the power uh, and the difference that that brings into our lives. And I think a great example of that is just to, uh, to look at those uh, band of early followers of Jesus uh, they spent the first Easter Sunday uh, locked behind uh, a closed door uh, in, in the upper room. Uh, they huddled together, literally fearing for their lives. They had, they had watched probably from a distance, and they knew that Jesus had been crucified, and they knew that they could very well be next. So when they went into that room, they went in defeated, <clears throat> but when they came out, they were dynamic. They went into that room crushed, but when they came out, they were confident. They gathered for a pity party. They left with power. They walked into that room paralyzed with fear, but they left filled with faith. So we have to ask, what happened? What happened to these disciples? And I hope over the next six weeks that we look very carefully at that story and the implications for us. And we consider the, the last week of the life of Jesus. There are six, six events that took place in the life of Jesus in a period of 12 hours that literally changed the world forever. And if we understand them and we understand the significance then of what that meant on the cross and then the resurrection, uh, then we ought to be changed forever. Then those six events were all what happened to Jesus. He was betrayed by Judas. He was forsaken by his friends. He was denied by his followers. He was tried by his accusers. He was tortured by the Roman guards. And then he was crucified by his enemies. And if you're in a faith struggle to really believe and claim that resurrection and that power, then you have to ask perhaps that question, why did God allow Jesus to be treated this way? And why did Jesus suffer on this cross of Calvary? We have to understand that this cross event and the crucifixion of Jesus was not a tragic, unplanned event in the plan of God that he had to take and change into something good for us. But this was the most loving act that God had ever done for us because of his love for us and his offer of salvation. A new movie out is called Risen. Uh, it's now showing in theaters, and, and um, I'm hoping that millions of people will go see it. You ought to support a Christian movie. And, and that millions of people will go see it. And here's, here's something I'd ask you to do. Um, maybe you want to see it twice. Maybe you want to go once and see it and get the storyline. And then take a friend who is struggling to believe. Take a friend who's not a believer to that movie. Uh, as somebody said this morning, said that, who had seen it this week, said, it's not a glitzy Hollywood movie. Um, it, it, it's not meant to overpower you. And it comes from the perspective of a Roman uh, tribune. Uh, who struggles to, to understand what has happened and to come to believe in, in, in this resurrection uh, of Jesus Christ. And so uh, Clavius is the, is the main character and the story is told from his point of view. 
uh, he struggles. And it's a great faith story. Uh, and, and I don't want to just mess up the storyline for you. We'll see one short clip this morning. But I would just say, go see the movie and then be present for these six weeks. Take somebody with you to see it who might not be a believer. And then as we look at the resurrection over these two next weeks, I want us to do so with two questions in mind. Number one, what really happened at the cross and at the resurrection of Jesus? What was God doing? You know, what should we notice about what God was doing in the cross event and then the resurrection? And then the second question we always need to ask is this, you know, how is this going to change my life? What difference will it make in my life? How am I going to be different because of this? Today we're going to look at one passage of the crucifixion out of the Gospel of John, chapter 19. And we're going to look at three specific people who were around the cross and the impact that it had upon them. And then make some analogies about that for our own life. If you want to look with me in, the, in your Bible or on phone app or follow along on the screen, uh, we're going to be reading from John chapter 19 beginning in verse 17. Uh, carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Here they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. And many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, do not write the King of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be King of the Jews. And Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, that's a very simple statement, in it, but it takes in so much. I said, when the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. And this garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. And this happened that the scripture might be fulfilled, which said they divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clophus, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Later, knowing that all was now completed and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. And a jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now, let's focus on the cross and these people, particularly three people that we see standing there, and see what the cross meant for them and how it can be applied to all of us as well. Okay? First of all, we see that the cross is a place of redemption. The cross is a place of redemption. When we look at the people gathered around the cross, we'll see some of the most what you might call unlikely people uh, to be found there at the cross. And one of them is Mary Magdalene. 
She was found at the cross. And at the cross, she discovered the cross to be a place of redemption. We got a quick, quick video clip of a scene where she's being interrogated following that, the resurrection of Christ by uh, the, uh, the Roman tribute. I think you have to bring the house lights down because it's kind of light uh, for us to see. Why did you run from us? Instinct. I've seen you before. My other life. But yes, who's left? You were there beside his mother. Was she also the woman with you at his tomb? If you knew what happened there, who cares what sees? Enlighten me then. It's beyond us. Spare me the riddles and zealot babble. Where did you take Yeshua? He's right here. Is he a goblin? A sprite? Alive again somehow? Open your heart and see. I see delusion. To keep a crusade alive. I could have what I want. Pulled from you. Put you to death like that. It doesn't matter. Wow. I'm not No. Then give me the others and I'll grant you freedom. I'm already free. Show me the Messiah. Some good words for the Roman Tribune there. You have to open your heart and in any faith journey, any faith struggle, any struggle to believe in this. You have to open your heart and believe in the right thing. I think, without dwelling on it, I think you can see Mary Magdalene has really been impacted by watching Jesus die on the cross and then by knowing that he has risen from the dead because that's what he promised them that he would do. And you think about people around the cross like that and what perhaps I'm sure that some in that society of that day said, because they accused Jesus of it very openly, that she probably was considered to be one of the least likely candidates for redemption. But that's true of all of us, isn't it? And that's why Jesus came. Jesus said his mission was that he came to seek and save that which was lost and didn't come to call the righteous, but he came for those who, who needed salvation and those who were sick with sin. And so Mary Magdalene is one who discovered that the cross for her literally meant redemption. When we look at her life, we find that in Luke 8, 2, that she was a woman from whom Jesus had cast out seven demons. And these demons controlled her life and destroyed her life. Satan was in control of her life for a long time. In the movie, she's called a woman of the streets, which meant, literally meant she was a prostitute. Now, she sold her body to others, in particular a lot of the, the Roman soldiers who were around in, 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 the, in some of these scenes. And Mary was in a hopeless and helpless situation, but Jesus delivered her and set her free. And that's the work that Jesus wants to do in all of us, this Jesus of the cross. And the Apostle Paul described it in Acts by saying 
that the work of Christ was to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith. You see, that, that's the entire work of Christ, is that work of redemption to move us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light as we dare to believe in Jesus Christ. And you can also say that the cross is a place of exchange. Because when you come to the cross, you move from that darkness to light. You discover the power of God as He begins to take control of your life. You move from guilt to grace. You exchange your past failures for a future hope. And that's what Jesus did for Mary Magdalene. But redemption is costly. When we look at the cross, we have to see that for your sins and for mine to be forgiven... That Jesus had to be made sin by God and placed on that cross with the nails driven into the wrist and the ankles and die there as a common criminal because he had to be the perfect sacrifice to pay for our sins. And that's the depth of God's love for us. Jesus went through all the mockery of the trial, the the suffering, the scourging, uh, the physical torment of crucifixion and the public humiliation. And when the nails were driven in his hands and, and his feet, They were driven right through the heart of God. Because this was God giving up His Son, Jesus Christ. So that we might know forgiveness of sins if we believe and embrace Him. And then Jesus said, it is finished, His last words. Meaning that everything to accomplish salvation and redemption had been completed in His death on the cross. So the cross, first of all, is a place of redemption. Secondly, uh, the cross is a place of relationship. And we see that with uh, Mary, his mother, particularly because she, being a devoted mother, was at the cross even as her son uh, was nailed to that cross and died. But there she discovered a different relationship. Mary also suffered as she stood there, I'm sure. As only a mother could, when she watched her son be crucified and dying by this public execution in the most horrible ways to die. I think she suffered because of how Jesus died, that he was hung on that cross. A method of capital punishment, a death inflicted only on common thieves, and he died between two thieves. And then she also, I'm sure, suffered because of where he died. He was in the open. He was stripped. He was was beaten. He was there humiliated for all to see. But it was there that Mary discovered a relationship in two ways, because Scripture says when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, he said, here is your mother. Now understand what's going on here. Some people have thought for a long time that Jesus was saying as he hung the woman, look at your son on the cross and what I'm doing. But that's not what's going on. Jesus is on the cross. His, his, his hands are nailed and then the movie is driven through here. And then there's something different. If you know to go to the movie, you'll notice something different about the spikes. And then they were driven through his feet. He couldn't move except just a little bit up and down to, to breathe. And that's why they would come off in time and break the legs of those who'd been there for a long time. And so they couldn't push up and breathe. And literally you suffocated when you're on the cross. But as Jesus hung there on the cross, he looked at his mother. And some way with a head movement, perhaps, he said, woman... And he nodded to John and he said, behold your son. And then he said, John, he said, behold your mother, as he nodded his head to Mary. He knew Jesus, Jesus knew he wouldn't be around any longer to take care of her. You know, 
after Joseph died, we don't know when, but sometime he passed off the scene. Jesus had to be the head of the household. He was the carpenter. Uh, you know, he made the living for the family. He took care of his mother as he should have, but then when he began that three year and a half journey in his ministry, he was preparing to leave. And so he left her in the hands of John. And so Mary, the mother of Jesus, discovered a new relationship that day. She discovered a new relationship with John that he would be like a son to her. But she also discovered another relationship that was new. And that was with her son as he died on the cross because she fully understood then that indeed the special child of hers that was promised so, uh, so long ago through the angel coming and saying, you will have the son of God, that she finally knew without any doubt that this was her son, Jesus, the Messiah, who was the savior of the world. Now, what does Jesus say to us as well about this being a cross of relationship? He simply says to us that if you dare to believe that Jesus died for your sins and you embrace Jesus as Savior, then God welcomes you into his family. You become a child of God. You belong to Jesus Christ. You belong to God. You belong in that family. And we become heirs of God and we become joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And the Bible teaches us that everything God has in store for Jesus, he has promised for us as well. We have salvation in everything else in that relationship with Jesus Christ. It also speaks to us about the kingdom of God and the life of the church. It takes all of us, it's different and unique as we are and with our special gifts to make the kingdom of God complete. And that's how the life of the church functions. And by faith, we become a part of the kingdom of God. By faith, we become a part of the church. Not just here locally, but worldwide. We're a part of the kingdom of God. And we're in that new relationship with God where he is our heavenly father and we're his child. And a new relationship with Christ that we don't just know about him, but we know him personally. That he is the son of God. He gave his life up on the cross. He died for our sins so that we could have a relationship with God. He didn't bring religion, he brought a relationship. And that's what he wants you to claim. Then thirdly, we look at John and we see that the cross is a place of responsibility. Jesus gave to John that place of responsibility when he said, Behold, this is your mother. Giving him charge to care for Mary the rest of her life. See, John knew a new uh, responsibility that was going on as Jesus said, Take my mother, take her home, and you be a son to her. For him, the cross was a place of responsibility, and he accepted it. Does it mean the same thing for us? Yes, not in the sense of taking Mary home to take care of her. But the cross also comes to us with a sense of responsibility. You see, all of us have to take the place of Christ here on the earth. Not in taking care of his mother, but in taking care of kingdom business. That we are called, as he said, to be his ambassadors in this world. He said in John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And it means that you and I have a responsibility to share Jesus Christ with those who do not know him. To proclaim the message of the kingdom. To proclaim the message of salvation and redemption in no one else but Jesus Christ. So we have to ask the question then, what happens then? If we really get this cross experience, what happens? What does it mean for us in our life today? Well, I think there are three new perspectives that we gain. First of all, we gain a new confidence in God. 
even if you're a longtime believer and you're going through this series with us, I hope that you gain even a new confidence in God. If you're not a believer, then I hope you can gain a confidence in God you've never had before, that you learn to know Him on an intimate level. And that means that we experience Him in three ways. We know Him in His love to a greater degree. So when you want to know how much you, you value what your value is and how much you're worth to God, then look at the cross because it tells you God loves you. And 1 John 4, 19 says, we love because God first loved us. And the writer of 1 John would go on to say, and this is love that God would send his only son and give him up for the sins of the world. So we come to a deeper understanding of God's love. Secondly, of his grace. Ephesians 2, 8 says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. You see, God extended his grace to us and gave us what we needed and not what we deserved. We deserved to die in our sins. But God in his grace offered us Jesus Christ in our place so that we could experience the forgiveness of sins. And then we experience his power. When we come into a relationship with God, we have that personal, intimate relationship with God and the power that brought Jesus back from the dead is the same power of God that is at work in your life and mine as believers. We just need to have that confidence in God, in his love, and his grace, and his power. If we have this change and we really get this cross experience. And the second thing I think that we gain new is that we have a new attitude about sin. In Romans 6, 6, the scripture says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. You see, we we deal with sin when we come to God. When we accept Christ as Savior, we're dealing with our sin. We're finding forgiveness for it. And, And we have a new attitude about sin. We have a new attitude about what we used to do that was sinful. When Paul writes in Romans 6, 6, he talks to us about the fact that we're no longer to be slaves to sin. So we should have a different attitude because we know the price that God paid to show us his love and we know what Jesus went through on the cross. And that means that we should be sincere in our efforts not to sin but to live with integrity and righteousness. A lifestyle that would be pleasing to God. And that means we have a new attitude about sin. And then thirdly, it means that we develop a new compassion for people. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that if we're in Christ, we're a new person. And in that passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians 5, the Apostle Paul talks about the fact that when we really get that, when we know that we're a new person in Christ, that Christ has made us new through our sins being forgiven and the power of God at life, at work in our life, then we gain a new compassion for people around us. It means that we're to love Christ and hate sin and we're to love others enough that we tell them about Jesus Christ. If somebody died for you, don't you think it's be important for you to know that? Don't you think it's important for your friends who do not know that Christ died for them to know that? If you have neighbors that don't know Christ, don't you think it's important for them to know that Christ died for them? If you have family members who don't know that Christ died for them. Don't you think it would be important for them to know that? Absolutely. That's what we're called to do. We're called to be ambassadors for Christ and share the message of reconciliation. That's why we have churches. That's why we teach, so that you can grow in your faith, come to know your faith. 
That's why we proclaim the gospel, why we minister to people in the community. You see, the average person right now, if all the statistics that we've looked at are true, about a 10 to 15 mile radius from this church, about 65% of those people are, are lost and unchurched. So that means that right now, this morning, the average person is probably, some of them still asleep, or they're getting ready to go to the golf course, or they're getting ready to go shopping when the store is open, or, or they're getting ready to do some other things that they want to do on their day, or they're reading the newspaper online, and they have no clue that God loves them and that Jesus died for their sins. They need to know that Jesus died for them. And the question and challenge for all of us this morning is, who get the message of the cross is, who do you know who does not know that God sent Jesus to die for them in their sins. See, the, the, the series of messages here is going to be twofold. What are you going to do with Jesus? Are you going to believe in him or are you going to reject him? What's your resurrection response? And then what are you going to do with that message once you get it? You see, here's, here's what it boils down to. From the early followers of Jesus to the most recent person who is trusted in Jesus for salvation. The love of God has brought people into his kingdom and people know the forgiveness of their sins and they find the ultimate meaning of life in serving a risen Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, that's, the, that's God's passion for you right there and his passion for everybody. And so the challenge for you this morning is this, do you believe that? Have you trusted Jesus as your Savior? And if you believe that he died for your sins and you have accepted that forgiveness, what are you going to do with that message? What are you going to do with those who you know who do not know what you know? That's what we're being challenged to do. Trust God today for salvation if you've never done that. And then let your response of your life be one of faith and faithfulness with the gospel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that in your love for us, you esteemed that we were worthy of the death of your son, Jesus Christ, as the perfect sacrifice to pay for our sins. And we thank you that you would love us enough to do that so that we could know the forgiveness of our sins and the forgiveness of any guilt and get rid of all that shame of sin and live in a new relationship with you through faith in Christ. And Father, there's anyone here today who's struggling with that, who's not yet embraced Christ as Savior, and not known, come to know you as a loving Father and Christ as Savior. I pray that they'll do that today. They'll acknowledge their sin, confess their sin, turn from their sin in repentance, and embrace Christ as Savior by simply believing. Then, Father, for those of us who know it, who've gotten the message of the cross, may we take that message and share it with those who yet do not know how much God loves them that he sent Jesus Christ to die for them. Father, we commit this time to you that you would speak to our hearts and we would respond with the decisions you're leading us to make today. Whether we're coming to be a part of this church, of your kingdom here by faith in Christ, whether we're coming on transfer of letter or statement of faith. Father, I pray that you'll move and, and speak to people today during this time of invitation. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.